You could search the four corners of the globe to find a perfect beach. From the tropical paradises of the Seychelles and Mauritius to the stunning seven-mile beach in the Cayman Islands. However, without a doubt, some of the best beaches in the world can be found here in County Clare. Right now, I'm strolling along the breathtaking shores of Duckmore Beach in Dune Bay. I find myself standing on a stunning coastline. <sighs> Stretching along the Atlantic Ocean with a mesmerizing view of the Trump International Golf Links and Hotel Resort in the distance. The sandy beach glows in golden hues, inviting me to take a leisurely stroll or bask in the serenity of the surroundings. As I gaze at the calm waters, I have a desire to plunge in and experience it. However, my instinct falters as my eyes catch a warning sign in the distance. Do not swim. It puzzles me, as the water appears so gentle and inviting. Beneath the seemingly tranquil surface lies a hidden peril, a riptide. This powerful current has claimed lives and inflicted devastation upon unsuspecting swimmers. Caught in its grasp, one can be mercilessly dragged away from the safety of the shore and into the unforgiving depths of the ocean. Unfortunately, our beaches in County Clare have witnessed their fair share of tragedies. Families have been torn apart, communities left in shock, and lives shattered forever. It's a painful reminder that nature's beauty can conceal treacherous secrets. On Saturday, August 13th, 2022, what started as a regular fun day at Duckmore Beach almost turned into a tragedy. This is Riptide, a documentary on one of Claire's most heroic rescues. Dogmore Beach can test the best swimmers in this county, and it's a beach that's gorgeous, it's beautiful, and of course on a fine day you're going to be drawn to the water. Just please, please, please be aware there's a reason why Dogmore Beach isn't packed with swimmers and uh, it's unfortunately because of tragedies down through the years. If you get knocked off your feet or if a wave comes in and lifts you up off your feet off the bottom, you can feel the water pulling you outwards. You can feel this river underneath that's pulling you outwards. The top of the water is relatively calm. The underneath, it's like a river pulling you outwards. So it would be like being in the Fergus and it's running in one direction, out. We were a group of friends hanging out on the beach, having a laugh. And the next thing you know, the emergency services are in and everybody's half traumatized. It was literally a case of lying down and then everything changed. I'm 20 odd years in the job and I'm 18 years here in Shannon and that is one of the closest water rescues I've ever seen. Really, absolutely as close as I ever want to see it. Meet Claire McGrath. Clare's Water Safety Officer. Well, I'm employed by Clare County Council as a Water Safety Officer and I suppose the biggest part of my role is that I supervise and manage 40 to 50 lifeguards every summer. She explains the beauties and the dangers of Duckmore Beach. It's probably one of the most beautiful beaches in the country and which makes people attracted to it in a big, in a big way. It's 
several kilometres along golden sand dunes that are so attractive to people to come and then on a day you could look at Dogmore and you could say this is the most wonderful and safe place in the world and it is not it has an awful lot of rip currents just take one of the calmer beaches for a minute and take say White Strand in Melton Malbay where every day the water comes in and the water goes out and as the water rushes in it's going to go back out again and in a calm flat beach like that it goes out in an even keel in some places, and you can see them in Spanish Point and La Hinch when the tide is out, you can see where troughs have been worn into the sand and into the rocks and the water rushes out in those places faster than it does in the other places. So as the water comes in, it's rushing out through the gullies, it's rushing out in several places and that's what causes a rip current. So for the most part, you can look at it and you don't recognise it from the top, but underneath there's a strong river of water rushing outwards and that can pull you out. Now, 90% of the time, they're not going to take you to America, but they're going to take you out of your depth and out of your comfort zone. And that's what causes the fright and the and the worry and the, the panic that will set in if you're being pulled out. You can't swim back in against it. On August 13th, 2022, Ian Bulger and Darren Burns, good friends for years, had anticipated a calming day at Duckmore Beach. It was anything but. On that particular day, Darren Burns recalls preparing to head to the beach. And it just kind of became this thing of, oh, hey, we're going to the beach, the weather's good, do you want to go? And I think on that particular day, we had, it could have been we had planned it the day before, but we went to Ennis, stopped off at a place, got food, and then we were just going to the beach. So brought a cooler bag, and myself and Ian were driving, so the girlfriends were having a few drinks, and then it was just chilling out on the beach. There's a ton of space there, so I mean, like, there was no worries getting anywhere to lie down or anything and like that it's not very well known people would probably head to White Strand a lot more than go there As the day progressed the sun got hotter and the sea got calmer or so it seemed Within a couple of hours the peaceful rays of sunshine would be replaced with screaming and shouting Ian Bulger remembers that day It was extremely hot Uh, myself my girlfriend Sarah and other friends of mine said we need to go to a beach but we knew all the beaches would be extremely busy and we don't have children so we said if we go down to the known as the Doombeg beach that um, there's no facilities there there's no toilets there there's no shops so it's a very good chance it'll be the quieter one for us to go down and lie on the beach or whatever and more my friend went down to his car and I went down to my own car and we met down there and the two girls were having a few drinks um, and the two of us, we were driving, so we didn't drink at all. So they were building castles and having a bit of fun or something. But anyway, after a few hours, they got tired, right? We were lying down after a few hours, let's say we're three or four hours, running around the beach and up and down and whatever we're doing. And now, if you know Doombay Beach, there's a very high cliff where the golf course is. And you often, I was lying down, and I just saw this older gentleman looking over at the sea. But you'd often see men looking down at the beach or whatever. On August 13th, the Cordero family started off their day like any other. However, by the end of the day, everything had changed. Mother, Christiane, vividly remembers that the boys were going to the beach while she went to work. Yeah, they sleep over, you know, in friend's house. My mom asked, um, do you want to have a sleepover with your friends? And then I said yes. And my friends called me, let's go to the beach. I say, it's a Saturday, yeah. And I say, uh, I'm work, you know. 
and can go later. She say yes, of course, and she tell me what you think. I bring the kids and you come later. I say okay, good. And she's telling me, I don't know uh, where the beach I'm going, but I send the location for you. I say okay, perfect. That was Christian Cordero, and this is Kieran McHugh. We work for CSE, and we take all our taskings through the Irish Coast Guard and Valencia, primarily in 105. Kieran is part of the team at Shannon, where the Irish Coast Guard Rescue 115 search and rescue helicopter is stationed. My own role, um, I'm, I'm a dual-rated winch operator, winch man, and a qualified paramedic as well. So basically, I'll either go down on the wire, or, or I'll actually operate the hoist that the, the winch man's going down on. So it's a, it's, it's a two-pronged attack, so we've got four members on board the helicopter. So we've got the winch man, the winch operator, the co-pilot and, and the captain. When you sit inside the helicopter, well, basically the back of the back of it where I operate is, is essentially a, a flying ambulance. Um, so it's a it's a big it's, it's, it's a big it's a big cabin. The S92 is a big is a, a big aircraft, um, but it gives us an awful lot of room to, to operate in the back of it. So we've got various bits of medical equipment up up into up from medical equipment and drugs up to advanced paramedic level, and then obviously we have the the search and rescue equipment that we would use, stretchers, straps, harnesses, high lines, all that type of stuff. Lots of, there's, there's lots of pieces of equipment in there that aren't essentially medical, but obviously we have the full full, full suite of medical stuff as well. We can, we can carry a, a stretcher patient, but we can also tr- carry eight people on seats. So we could carry um, eight, eight people comfortably on seats. Um, so we could carry mountain rescue teams, coast guard teams, things like that. So we, we can deploy them to the scene. And we could also, because we're a, a fully HAMS, HAMS aircraft, so we can do the side of the road stuff, we can do the cardiac arrest stuff, um, so we can take full medical teams. So if we were taking, for example, a, a job that was that was done here by myself last year, we took a patient from, actually from Shannon itself, direct to Heathrow for, for, for an organ transplant. So we could take the medical team with us for that. Usual response time uh, is particularly uh, for, for depending on the incident, if it's, a, if it's a local incident, we sit here with probably two and a half hours worth of fuel, which get, will get us anywhere w- within our, our area um, to do Thirty to forty minutes on scene, and then obviously transport the patient back to the hospital, and then get back to refueling site. So, from a response point of view, um, we would be off. We we could be off in six seven minutes. We have that fifteen minute window. So if we need fuel or if we need to do a bit more planning because of weather and stuff like that, that's where that fifteen minute buffer is. Philip Wren's journey as a seasoned winchman began with his training in Clare where he developed the necessary skills and expertise to excel in his role with the Irish Coast Guard. The training in Clare provided Wren with a comprehensive understanding of rescue operations, helicopter manoeuvres and emergency response protocols. I've been with CHC since uh, 2009. Initially did my training in Shannon and uh, repositioned to Waterford for about a year and a half. The first year and a half, so I was in Waterford on 117. Been in the admin service a couple of years in Shannon Dock before that as well. So I can remember driving around the Shannon Dock car and I see the, the old 61 flying by. And I, I think to myself, I'd like to do that job, but it was pure chance that I got into it, pure chance. Ian Bulger and Darren Burns had been enjoying their day at the beach, soaking up the sun. The sound of crashing waves and seagulls filled the air, creating a serene atmosphere. Everything seemed 
perfect. Until suddenly, out of nowhere, chaos erupted. Guard. They turned their heads towards the commotion and saw a man frantically waving his arms and calling for help. Anybody, help his face help. was filled with panic and distress, and it was clear that something was terribly wrong. I just lying there with sunglasses on. At that point, we were just uh, to sound vain, lying down sunbathing. Just heard somebody shouting for help and started to scream. And I didn't know what was going on, and myself and Darren, we just literally hopped up off the towel and we went, um, well, I just took off sprinting. And ran full pelt into the water. It was more of a reactionary thing, like heard somebody shouting for help. We didn't know what was going on, or who was happening, whether it was a shark in the water, or jellyfish, or someone drowned, we didn't have a clue. We were both running, and there was two children. And initially I saw the two kids, and I was like, okay, they seemed close enough that I was like, I'm tall. If I can get into the water quick enough, we can just grab the kids, and that's that. There was a man into the water, and he had the water up to his, underneath his shoulders. He had the water, and he was screaming at me, saying that, can you save the children? I can't swim, I can't swim, can you save the children? So Darren being the fitter person, I said, Darren, will you take the child on the left, which was Aiden, and I will take the child on the right, which is closer. The child I went for was roughly 50, 60, 70 metres out, roughly. And the other child was 80 metres, maybe even a little more, out further. So as I swam into the first child, I got up there and I put my hand around him. And this says, come on, I'll get you in. But I couldn't put my feet to the ground. But he wanted to get to Aiden. He want he fought me, he swam, he wanted to swim. He was doing his best to get out to that other child. Like you could already feel it kind of pulling you. Um, and I think that must have been maybe waist deep. Um, but the second I got to the first kid and Ian was right beside me. So straight away it was out to the other kid who was probably from where me and you were. Um, and so I tried to get closer to him and within a flash, Geez, I looked back at the coast and we were really far out. There, there was very much a, a, an old crap moment. It wasn't for a while later that I was like, okay, this is a big problem. He kept on f- fighting against me and he kept on swimming forward. And I just said, you have to listen. But at the same time, the waves are coming down top of us and putting us under the water. I said, my friend is going to your brother. I thought it was his brother. He'll get him, he'll get him, it's okay. My friend tried to save me, but I went too far. So as I decided, I start counting three, two, one, and then a wave would hit. Three, two, one, hold your breath. Three, two, one, and by the time, third time it happened, he started to listen to me. I had my hand around and I could swim and I just got him in a good 15 meters before I could get my feet to the ground. And anybody who's been in the water with somebody who's panicking before will tell you that the second you get close to them, they try to latch on because obviously, they're terrified and they're trying to get help. Amidst the tumultuous riptide, 
Aidan Cordero was one of the boys bravely battling to stay afloat. Could see some people, yeah. I could see the beach, I would say. Yeah, swimming a lot. And like the ways I already experienced it because me and a friend already did this wasn't really that scary, but yeah. I feel like I was like, oh, like gonna die for a few minutes. As Aiden struggled to stay afloat, he found himself separated from Darren Burns. With nothing but water in every direction, Darren knew that his survival and Aiden's depended on their resourcefulness and determination. I held my breath and then under we got separated by the rip current. When I came up, I was facing the opposite way and that's when I noticed how far we were from the shore. And I was like, okay, we we don't have a lot of time. like, um, And we just kept going further and further. So anytime I tried to get closer to him, it was the same thing. The kid was panicking and he was thrashing. So I was trying to get closer, be pushed under, inhaling a lot of water, stuff like that. Um, at one point, I tried to go under and hold him out of the water so he could get some air. And that didn't last very long because obviously you can only stay underwater for so long. Um, at one point I tried to swim around him and push him in with one hand while paddling with the other one, which, again, not very effective, especially not against a riptide. And it was kind of at that point where while you're trying to, you know, help, he's still trying to latch on. Um, and at one point we both went under. And when we came up, we were really far apart. Um, and it was kind of then I was like, okay, this is it. I didn't think I was going to get to the kid again. Didn't think I was going to get back to the shore again. Ian Bulger, nearing the beach, found himself in a challenging situation as the relentless waves continued to crash, making the rescue operation even more complex. I got him in and the uncle um, was there and there was another tall fellow with red hair. He literally gave me as close as he could to get the child and I handed the child to him. At this stage, the first child was now on the beach and had been saved from the trenches of the riptide. So as I turned around and I looked and I could see Darren got to Aiden and he was over there and I was looking and I was thinking what will I do will I wait I'll just watch for a second I was trying to get my breath I was tired but I it didn't matter I didn't do anything magnificent I wouldn't do anything that most people wouldn't do I'm not a magnificent swimmer but I can keep myself afloat and um, Darren being in bodybuilder and stuff that is a far stronger upper body he's taller than me he's and younger than me around 10 years younger than me he he would be a lot fitter as I turned around, and Manuela was his girlfriend, I says, ring the Coast Guard. And I says, I'm going back in for Darren. As I saw the child, first of all, I saw Darren, and the child put Darren's head under the water, just to try and get himself up for air. Darren went under, and Darren came back up again. And Darren was at the child. The kid did it again. And I says, I'm going in. I says, there's something wrong. I'm going in. And as I was swimming in, you can't see. You can't see when you're fighting the wave. Like, I just didn't know to swim left, right. I was looking back at Manuela and I was trying to fight to see which way to go. Then I turned around to Darren's girlfriend who was at the edge of the water with her phone and I said, ring 112, don't ring, ring 112, we need the Coast Guard. After receiving the emergency call, the emergency operator passed it on to the nearest Coast Guard centre for rescue coordination. In Clare, the Marine Rescue Coordination Centre is located on Valencia Island in Kerry. 
Rescue 115, Rescue 115, this is Valencia Ops, Valencia Ops. Valencia Ops from Rescue 115, yeah, go ahead. Rescue 115, Valencia Ops, uh, we have a tasking for you. We have a report of a person being swept out to sea off Domore Beach, County Clare. Yeah, Valencia Ops from Rescue 115, yeah, go ahead, long, long, please. Rescue 115, Valencia Ops, uh, latitude 52 degrees. Four four decimal nine two minutes north. Lunch up, rescue one five yet. Copy all that. Stand by, please. Rescue one one five. Lunch up. Standing by. After receiving the distress call, a significant search and rescue operation was launched involving multiple agencies: the Irish Coast Guard's Kilkee and Doolin units, along with Rescue one one five and the Irish Community Air Ambulance from Cork were deployed, along with the National Ambulance Service. Kilrush Garda Station's Sergeant John Maloney and his team also swiftly responded to the call for assistance. We heard that there was a possible two young kids in trouble in the water uh, at the beach of Dogmore Beach in Doonbeg. So immediately, I mean, we just, uh, if we're in the station, we hop into the car. If the patrol car's out and about, they'll hear it through control. Control will say there's a call there to Dogmore Beach, there's someone in trouble, and they will make their way immediately there. So Garda Donegan and Garda Grace, they were in the patrol car, the Killers patrol car, so they made their way to her. Uh, Dogmore Beach uh, straight away and um, I hearing it as well followed suit I was in an MR car but I also have a flotation device which you use to throw to somebody who's in difficulty in water as opposed to going in to help them this is a device that um, is used to help a person who's in trouble in the water it's always good to have one whether it's three or four foot away from you or further than that the reality is having a flotation device like that that you control to somebody is a lot better than getting into the water if you're not a competent swimmer I would have to obviously make a decision there and then whether I go go in and but there could be tragedy in that the person I'm going in after and my good self could end up in trouble so the rescue services could end up rescuing Sergeant Maloney and the person that's in trouble in the first place so we're we're trained in in, 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 in a way to uh, respond appropriately at times and that may mean that we don't into the water so it's always important to have a flotation device well your instinct is I'm a, I'm a parent I'm a father the first thing you do is and you know the fact that you're a guard as well um, you know the, automatically you're just putting uh, you're getting there as fast as you can it's as, and as safely as you can and, um, and that's what happened that day as emergency responders rapidly converged on the scene every passing second became critical as Aidan valiantly battled to stay afloat amidst the riptide. I went like a little too far and then I just got taken by the waves. Just trying my best to swim and go back um, to, uh, on land. It's really difficult to swim a, f a few kilometers out. My friend actually was saved before me and then, so yeah, I was left in the sea alone. Kieran McHugh vividly recalls how swiftly the Irish Coast Guard sprang into action. There had been a couple of calls to Dugmore Beach and a couple of close calls, and we were cognizant of the fact that, you know, it is a very dangerous beach, it's a very da dangerous beach to go swimming in, and particularly in the, the non-lifeguard areas where we're in happened to be. Um, the initial call was that we had, you know, there was two young people in the water, that's all that the initial call was. There was other calls, the, the Valencia and Farnes were, were dealing with multiple callers for this incident. Um, so we get the call, we're in Shannon, um, we get everyone fairly quickly that day now because obviously the intensity levels are up because we're dealing with two children in the water in an area that doesn't really, alright we have lifeguards there and we also got the report that lifeguards had tried to rescue 
and were unable to rescue. And we know that the nearest boat asset there is, is, is probably Kilkey or Dolan. It's kind of halfway in between both. So obviously the intensity levels are up fairly high. Uh, we got airborne fairly quickly and we were on scene within nine minutes of lifting in Shannon. At this critical point, Ian Bulger urgently relayed instructions to emergency personnel in order to navigate them to Aidan's precise location. At the time, I had to walk away. I had to get Sarah Manuela to keep everybody away from me because I was on the phone. There was a lot of roaring, a lot of shouting. And I just said, you have to keep away so I could talk to the emergency services. So as I was getting my breath back, I was talking to emergency services. I can see the child. I know exactly where he is. He's in front of me. And he was getting closer because as the beach kind of goes to the left or to the right, we were to the left, the distance is getting less and less between the child and the beach. Do you understand? The child wasn't going out to the sea, he was going to the left. So I was walking, every time I was on the phone, I kept on walking left, 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 and this fella had a flight radar, he was checking, and Sarah and Manuela kept the people away from me so I could talk to the emergency services. They were talking to the other child, making sure that the other child was okay, because the other child took in a good bit of water, and they were talking to him. So as we were getting closer, and I was on the phone to the emergency services, I said, that child is getting closer. I can get into the water. Like, that child is only 60 feet from me now. And the emergency service said, do not get into that water there. I'm telling you now. And I says, I'm telling you this much, that if the child goes under the water, I'm going in. Do you know what I mean? And as the waves are passing by, you'd lose the child for a second with the waves. The wave would come down, you'd see the child. That child stayed in that water for, say, 40 minutes? I don't know. I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could sit there for 40 minutes with that sea because I was only out there for a few minutes um, and doing it. As the helicopter was coming along, I just said, look, I'll stay here, but I'm going to give you the phone to this man that's beside me, and I'm going in if that child goes under. No, do not go underneath that water. That water's too dangerous there. You can't go in. But you just don't think. Like, it is, it's, it's again, the only word to describe it is stupid. That's all I was. If I went into that water, there's so many accidents that happen in this county. In, I remember one in Clonlara years ago that the people died that went in to save the kids. All emergency services were now en route. Imuro Sullivan, who was on lifeguard duties on White Strand, received a call for help from the neighbouring beach looking for assistance. Knowing that it was impossible to reach the scene by paddling, she needed reliable transportation. Fortunately, her mother came to the rescue and swiftly drove her to the incident in Duckmore. It's only kind of across the bay from Dugmore, but I suppose it's trickier to get to Dugmore because you have to go back into the town and out. It's kind of far from where we live. It's about a 40 minute drive from La Hinch, but just by chance she was there with her friend. And I suppose that was kind of one of my deciding factors in going because I knew she'd be there and she'd be able to bring me over. Um, she was great. She was very supportive. We were all extremely grateful she was there. She So when I decided to go, I brought down the board and I suppose she saw me coming and figured out what was going on. So she put two and two together and was ready to rock and roll by the time I got there. Um, so yeah, she brought, drove me over as far as she could. And then when we stopped, we met the two guardy that brought me the rest of the way, which they were very helpful as well. So I had your wearing I suppose your uniform as you can go into the water with that so I had that I had my rash vest and I had my board it's I suppose it's bigger than a surfboard it's more stable and it's easier it has kind of ropes on the side for you to hold on to and this is kind of our best piece of equipment because I suppose you're sitting on it so you're up over the water and you can see and it's very stable and secure. We were able to bring that over. When I got there there was a lot of people around um, I had to kind of 
uh, figure out where it was. The Coast Guard only told us it was at the 18th hole and I'm not a golfer so I didn't know where that was but luckily one of the locals, Paddy, he was a great friend to us lifeguarding in the summer, played golf there so he knew where it was so he was able to give me directions of where to go. So I got down and there, I saw the helicopter there and I realised they hadn't located the boy yet. By now, the Kilrush Gardee had arrived on the scene with Garda Grace and Garda Donegan, along with Sergeant Maloney running following lifeguard Emer O'Sullivan. Dunmore Beach is a big beach and there's a number of entrances into it, so it was quite clear that maybe, uh, or at the time, it was not known exactly the location, so we decided to go for Surfers Car Park and Surfers Beach. So I, f- I fired the, the patrol car and um, they were clinging onto the boards inside of the car and we got to the Surfers uh, Car Park. We hopped out of the car. The lifeguard took off uh, over the golf course, heading for the, we'll say, the shoreline. Uh, Garda Grace and Garda Donegan were, it's like a scene out of Baywatch, they were carrying the, the big long uh, rescue board and I was bringing up the rear with my flotation device and uh, literally we got onto the beach. There was a number of different families on the beach at the time and it was it, it, we could see the helicopter had arrived and they were obviously engaged in activity pretty much near the back of the hotel. The lifeguard immediately grabbed her board, got into the water and headed in that direction. Uh, at that stage, uh, I felt the best thing to do was there was other kids in the water at the time, other families there. And we noticed that uh, there was a lot of foreign nationals there as well who weren't from the area, they weren't locals. And we just asked everybody to come in out of the water while this operation was taking place. So the rescue was underway, more or less, by the time we got there. Certainly the only thing that we can do at that stage then is, is, is monitor the scene um, I suppose keep 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 people back um, tell them come out of the water and just uh, not to confuse matters and assist in whatever way we can then with the Coast Guard and we would look for guidance from them but clearly um, the, the Coast Guard had it under control uh, they were in the process of um, rescuing young Aidan from the water from Dugmore Beach Meanwhile back at the beach Darren was running out of air he found himself struggling in the relentless waves that just kept hitting. Ian stood by the water's edge, his eyes fixed on his friend's desperate struggle. The sight filled him with a mix of concern and determination. Darren went under the water, he came up, and then I had to make a decision. Do I go for my friend, who is 20 kilos more than I am, which I probably physically couldn't lift underneath the water because I couldn't see him, or do I go for this child I've never seen before? It's an awful decision you have to try and make in your brain. So I didn't know what to do, so I, I just swam, and as I see, I, I couldn't see if I was going left or right, and then I saw Darren appear back up again, but Darren was easy. 15 feet, the rift just was so strong. Easy 15 feet he was away from the kid. Darren was dying. At one point I went under, I thought that was it, and my feet touched the sand, and that was kind of the, the thing that got me back to the shore. Um, I think if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't be sitting there. I didn't think that I was going to make it back at that point. So it's it's like this weird, I wouldn't say calm, because it's not calm, but it's just, okay. And that's it. And then when I touch the sand, it's like something clicks back in again. And you're just like, this isn't, like I'm not just stopping. Um, but yeah, the, the second I got out of the water, then it, it's a whole flood of that stuff. Darren had to swing in and leave Aiden behind. I ran back to Manuela. At the same time, Sarah was looking for me and she knew that I might 
my initial thing I do a lot of work for charitable charities and stuff she knew that if there's a kid in danger that I'm going in no matter what it is even if it was a shark I wouldn't care I'd go in which I know is stupid but Sarah thought I was gone because she looked into the water to see where I was saw Darren walking back out couldn't see me because I was still in the water and of course Sarah was upset then as well thinking that I was gone you know very emotional like I must have been heading back in for a couple of minutes but I'd say when we were separated it, it could have been anything from 50 feet to 50 meters like but it, it was far enough that like I could just kind of see his head bobbing up and down amongst the waves I got back to shore I thought that I was not going to get to see that kid again and kind of that you know immediate survivor's guilt kind of deal everything just kind of felt like it stopped initially I came out of the water I was so tired that I like, kind of half collapsed and of course um, Sarah, Ian's girlfriend and my girlfriend Manuela were running over to make sure I was okay um, and you know trying to talk and everything but I remember at one point I felt um, the like waves coming in and water hit like the back of my legs pure terror I like ran forward just to get away from the water so as I got back out I went to Manuela Manuela is from Brazil and her first language is Portuguese her second language is English I took the phone off her and I started talking to the emergency services which was to the helicopter. At that point, I was kind of zoned out. Like, nothing seemed to make... Because in my head, I was like... I didn't know how he was going to stay up out of the water. And, like, I'll say this for Aiden: The fact that he was able to swim for as long as he did... Because he was in the water before I was. And he was in the water for a good bit after I came out. And he was able to keep himself afloat and stay up, like, absolutely incredible. Like, genuinely. Unbeknownst to Aidan, all around him, emergency personnel were closing in, each racing against time to come to his rescue. However, Aidan remained completely oblivious to the fact that a team of dedicated individuals were working tirelessly to save him. I saw the water. I saw the water in front of me. I was probably, like... Like, I was kind of close, but probably not made it, made it, but I was kind of pretty close. Um, everybody stayed on the beach, just on the beach. The Irish Coast Guard was almost at the scene. Part of the team that day was Philip Wren, an experienced winchman who wasted no time in preparing for the crucial task at hand. Fully aware of the urgency, Philip diligently ensured that all necessary equipment was ready and functioning perfectly, leaving no room for error. As we're getting closer to the call, I've done the flippers, done the snorkel face mask and stuff. So for a child in the water, anybody in the water really, you, you have to be ready. You have to be ready to go out the door. If you see it in the water and they have no flotation or anything like that, it's second count. So it's you have to be ready. You have to be sitting at the door with the gear on. You have your checks done, winch operators the checks done, pilot has the checks done to get down to the, to the casualty and get them out of the water as quickly as possible. So you're ready before you even get on scene. So you're, you're watching your flyaway. So for me, dangling underneath the aircraft, I don't want to snag on anything. I don't want to hit off anything. If the possibility of it losing an engine is far and few, but if it does, you have to be aware you're, as you approach into the into the scene, as you fly away from the scene, anything that you could bang into. You're at the, the mercy of the winch operator and the, the pilots, pilots to keep the aircraft steady and, and it's in, into wind and a steady state of flight. In the aircraft, the winch operator mends the hoist. He'll give patter, so the 
patter as a way of speaking to the pilot describing what's underneath and to get the aircraft into a certain position. So the which operator is doing two or three things all at once. By now, Emer O'Sullivan was on the beach and also looking for Aidan. People didn't really know what was going on, I suppose. So I, before I got into the water, I was trying to ask people, you know, where, where should I go? What's going on? What's going on? People were kind of stunned, either too stunned to say or didn't know or were saying, oh, this way, go this way. So eventually I just went in where I was told to go in. I saw the helicopter there and I realised they hadn't located the boy yet. So I waited for the waves to break because there's quite the sets were quite big that day. Um, and then I got the board, I went in, I w- went out past the waves and I suppose that's when I tried to look for the boy. Um, so I was going kind of up and down the beach just seeing if I could see him. I was trying to call out to him and trying to stay quite near the helicopter because I kind of thought the waves were so big, maybe they wouldn't see him. If I was able to see him first, maybe that would help. As Kieran McHugh from the Irish Coast Guard looks back on the incident, he vividly remembers the exact moment they laid eyes on Aidan in the water. The way the, the weather was that day, the wind was kind of coming from the west and we would point into the wind. So we literally came up over the beach and we spotted him straight away just outside the surf line. Um, just one in the water at that stage, we had been informed in that nine minute transit time that the second person had got out of the water. Um, so our, our initial was the person in the water, get that person out of the water. So we arrived up on scene, spotted him straight away um, and he had done some job to stay afloat now at that stage to be able to tread water for that much time. At this stage, Philip was being lowered into the water as part of the rescue operation at Duckmore Beach. On the day we came in over the, the dunes and in over the beach, so I was actually winching out or over the sand as such before we got into the water. When we were transiting in, in fairness, Rob Goodbody, who was, who was the pilot, he spotted just outside the surf line, then I got visual. At that stage, Phil was getting ready, and Don Donna was the co-pilot, he was, he was doing all, all the checks that we have to, have to be done in a very quick succession. You could see straight away, we could see him straight in the water, straight off, picked him out. Uh, we were kind of looking for the, uh, we weren't looking for the other casualty because we were told they had got out of the water so we knew it was only one, but we saw him straight away once we got on scene. So it was straight out the door winching as we approached in over the dunes, coming off the dunes over the sand. He was afloat uh, in white water so in our view that's, that's he's in trouble there. Now what we did see was a small child that was struggling big time in that water and we knew time was paramount because sometimes what happens is you get someone sees the rescue and rescue is almost imminent and they get that post-rescue release and that's when they start probably giving up um, thinking right I'm fine now I'm going to be okay and that was at the stage where we knew this, this was really time that it was very obvious that he was going into swim failure like there was it was an uncoordinated swim at that stage and so it was very important for us to to get there as quickly as we could, get full there as quickly as we could. Uh, usually over water, we come down, the aircraft will descend to about 40 or 50 feet. Sometimes it'll be committed because it's below, uh, say, a flyaway height. So if, again, all around safety parameters, if the aircraft has a certain height, we um, the aircraft might climb up to 100 feet to keep a safe flyaway, but I'd be down 10 feet above the water. So usually we come out the door, 40 feet is usually the safest safe height and um, the aircraft then kind of comes in towards so we wouldn't go directly overhead I'd winch out maybe 10-15 units away and the aircraft then would slowly approach into the casualty I basically obviously I'm looking for full hand signals I'm looking for the waves particularly it was was quite rough there and was it was quite, obviously 
there's a bit of a rip there as well. So one minute he's been pulled out, next minute he's been pulled back in again. And I'm trying to marry something that's actually, even though we're in the hover, fills there and he's actually in, in, in the same position all the time. And we're just moving in. So we're actually in a very fixed position, although we look like we're moving around the place all the time. We're actually in a very fixed position, whereas someone in the water is getting either blown in and blown out or back to side and then obviously sometimes if they're getting they ended up in the actual surf line so then one minute they're there next minute they're not there it's in particular when when phil's getting the equipment on them they can they'll go subsurface on you and all i'll see is the end of the cable aiden was just moments from being rescued by the coast guard he went to reach me and then yeah he went to the water into the water to save me I knew he was probably going to save me because he's been doing it for like 15 years now. He had like an extra life jacket, I think, and then he put it on me and then he wrapped something around me and then um, we got back on land. There was uh, waves breaking over him. When I got to him, he literally just grabbed onto me and usually casualties will do that. They'll grab on in a, in a panic. So that was fine. Uh, I had all my gear on and we have rescue straps that we use and they have a kind of a flotation, they, have, they, they, they help with flotation, they have uh, an ability to float and, and carry weight in them, straps they'll actually float, they'll have the, the, the casualty to stay afloat. We have it a few different options, there's a, a grip lift, there's um, winch me straight back out of the water up to the aircraft. Because we were being hit by the waves and, and tossed and turned, I, got, I lost awareness of where the cable was. I still had straps and I still had Aiden on me. Uh, and we were afloat, uh, so I made the decision to actually disconnect, just in case if the winch operator did winch in and the cable was wrapped around a leg or something like that, we didn't want to risk any further injury. But I do remember them kind of coming down and I saw them come down and I was like, okay, this is either really good or really bad. So I kind of stayed on the board. I was trying to see as much as I could and then that's when the guards whistled me in and they kind of gave me a thumbs up. So. I realised everything was okay at that stage. I disconnected, the, the, the cable went away from us and I was able to surf in as such to the beach with him, so I swam him in. It's something that we don't we don't normally do, but we can do. So just the scenario that happened with me, I made the decision to disconnect. Every couple of seconds, we were getting hit by a wave, so we were getting a chance to take a breather. We were t- getting a chance to, to be able to take a breath, but it, was, it would have been hard work to swim either against that or with that. Um, with the equipment that I had, I the swimming fins on, I had snorkel face mask, so I was comfortable, so I was happy once Aiden's head was out of water uh, and I could kick and swim into into the beach, so that, that helped it there, but the other scenario would be that, that we winch in or trawl me through the water into into quieter water, just the way it worked, I wasn't aware where the cable was and didn't want to take that risk, so disconnected. The immense sense of relief consumed the onlookers as they witnessed the miraculous rescue unfolding before their eyes. The horrifying reality of what could have transpired that day dawned upon them in mere seconds, morphing the situation from a potentially catastrophic event into an unforgettable tale of heroism. Then the emotion then kicks in. Like, you don't, you don't think of anything. You turn around, and I had the man come up to me, and he said, Jesus, hard. He said to me, he said to me, sorry, he said to me, I've been in those children's prayers for the rest of his life that I saved his family. And it's very hard. You don't know, you just break down, break down. I went over to my friend, my friend took on a lot of water. 
went over to him, went over, and then the Gardaí arrived, the uh, Coast Guard was there, and they came over to me at this stage. And I remember us standing at the, at the beach and the, the police were just, or the guards were just asking us our name and was everyone okay? And did I take on water? I said, I'm, I'm not too bad because I've been out for the last 30 minutes out of water. I'm not too bad. Darren, my friend, took on water. So they took him into the ambulance there to make sure he was okay. But it's not until afterwards you realise how crazy it is to actually do it. I, I never had a chance to even mention to my girlfriend who was lying beside me what was happening because I took off. And so by the time I got back in, I mean, she had thought that I drowned. She didn't even know I was in the water um, and stuff like that. And I, I couldn't stop thinking about that afterwards or the fact that it was the same with my dad. My dad was at home, knew I went to the beach with my mates. Next thing he'd get a phone call. And it's, it's, it's just crazy. So you, you do kind of have that PTSD around it. But at the same time, the fact that there are people so willing to help in situations like that. But I keep thinking of the fact that, one, I got very lucky. Um, two, Aiden got very lucky. After a long day at work, Christian decided to make a quick stop in Ennis to pick up some treats before heading to Dunbeg with her husband, Gerlevan, to meet their family for what she anticipated would be a delightful evening. Unbeknownst to her, they were completely unaware of the unfolding events at the beach, as Christiane recalls. I finished work, and me and my husband go to the shop and buy some snacks for lunch, bring for the kids. You know, because the Ahenem day is a lovely day, very hot day, you know, it's a lovely day. And I'm... I put, you know, the location, my GPS, and nine minutes, my friend called me. Where are you? I say, look, I look in here, it's nine minutes. The line is so bad, you know, and she's called me again. Where are you? I say, seven minutes. Um, look, is someone go out to the beach? And I tell my husband, what's wrong? And three, two minutes, my friend tell. Are you in here? I say, yes, what's wrong? And I see the ambulance. And I see the ambulance and tell my friend, where's my son? Because my feeling. And I say, where's my son? And she's telling me, no, look, Ada, he's okay. Everything is okay. Uh, don't worry, don't be panicked, don't be crazy. But Ada inside the ambulance. It's crazy, you know when you're in this situation. And later, the people, my friends, tell me their story. And I can't believe. The events of August 13th will forever be etched in the memories of those involved in the dramatic rescue on Duckmore Beach. The boys who were saved that day clung desperately to life, feeling isolated and helpless against the surrounding waves. Unbeknownst to them, a collective effort was in motion. As news spread of the two boys in dire straits, emergency services swiftly mobilised. People from all directions drove, ran and even flew to offer their assistance in the rescue mission. Christiane, the mother of one of the boys, Aidan, will forever harbour deep gratitude 
for the miraculous rescue of her son. Me and my husband can't believe that, that you know. And later, my husband say, oh, I need to see who these people, who, who's this crew, you know, because save my son, you know. And yeah, and go to meet Philippis. I'm so grateful for everyone, you know. I don't know who called for the, uh, the rescue. I'm so grateful for everyone. Each and every person who contributed to their salvation can now be rightly hailed as a hero. Ian Bulger and Darren Burns, in recognition of their brave actions, were honored with a National Bravery Award and received a prestigious mayoral award from Clare County Council. Additionally, they were celebrated as local heroes at Clare FM's Best of Clare Awards. This remarkable rescue operation will undoubtedly be remembered as one of the most extraordinary acts of heroism in living memory. This documentary, Riptide, has been written, recorded and produced by Paul Rick Flaherty. Special thanks to Aidan Cordero, Christian and Gerlevan Cordero, Kieran McHugh, Claire McGrath, Darren Burns, Emer O'Sullivan, Ian Bulger, John Maloney, Philip Wren. This documentary, Riptide, is funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee.